Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. The FT. Hello and welcome to World Weekly. I'm Sean Donnan, the FT's World News Editor. On the show this week, we discuss North Korea and missile politics. It's all part of when all the pieces fit together, can North Korea fit a warhead on a long-range missile? Governments in Seoul, Washington, and Tokyo have all reacted angrily to the announcement last month that North Korea plans to launch a rocket to mark the 100th anniversary of the birth of former leader Kim Il-sung. But what are they really concerned about? Joining me down the line are Jeff Dyer, the FT's U.S. diplomatic correspondent, and Christian Oliver, the FT's correspondent in Seoul. Christian, in February, we heard the North Koreans had agreed to suspend their nuclear tests and long-range missile launches. And since then, of course, we've had the announcement of this uh, impending uh, rocket launch. Uh, What are people making of this in South Korea? I think it's quite a good illustration for people who try and work out what the North Koreans are thinking, that they've had a fairly clear choice. They were offered some food for suspension of nuclear and ballistics works, and they've decided to press ahead with the rocket launch. Uh, It was a clear choice, and it's shown where their priorities really lie. Rather than helping feed the people, the, 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 the most important thing is an ideological one. It's building a state around an ideology of military first. It's trying to make sure that the new leader is fully connected with his military leadership. That's the most important thing to the state. And really, they're very happy to sacrifice a food deal over it and even embarrass the U.S. um, with a food deal over that. The the general perception over this is that North Korea has played its pretty standard uh, diplomatic game, and mainly for ideological reasons, but also there are practical elements. The, The missile program is something they probably cooperate with the Iranians on as well. So there is actually some sort of technological sharing and there is a sort of business arrangement. Now, Christian, tell me more about the technical capacity of this Un-3 rocket. Uh, Why is this so important? We know very little about what it really is. They're sort of Frankenstein monster creations of things that go back to Scud missiles, um, have taken in elements of the old Nodong missiles. Um, Part of the missile program is shared with the Iranians, so people who are interested in sort of comparing the various ballistics between the two will will look at that very closely. What we're looking at here is something that goes probably about 3,000, 4,000 kilometers if stretched. Ballistics is not my my province, but I'm sort of informed that from there, the leap to be able to take it to 6,000 is not a great technical leap. This brings the U.S. seaboard, Alaska, within range of North Korea. It's all part of when all the pieces fit together, can North Korea fit a warhead on a long-range missile? Uh, We don't think they can do it at the moment, but if there's one more test, um, some more sort of successful work with rocketry like the one we see, they could be in a position to do so, which 
Um, for the practical implications of the damage they can do, it's probably not that great, but the symbolic implications of how far they can actually send a nuclear warhead will be very great indeed. Uh, now, the North Koreans have made a lot about how this is all about launching a weather satellite into space. This is about uh, peaceful ambitions in space rather than uh, military ambitions. They have had a, a fraught record in the past with missile tests. What would be a success for them? They do claim that they have already been successful in putting a satellite into orbit. There's a lot of doubt whether they actually have done so. They almost certainly haven't. If they were to be seen by the international community to put their Kwang Myung-sung shining star satellite into orbit, that they would see as a very great success indeed. I mean, in many ways, what Kim Jong-un is doing now is actually a very bold move. He's doing this launch in front of a whole barrage of foreign television cameras, which is quite unusual if it fizzles or blows up on the launch pad, this would be bad. Um, if it goes up on a long trajectory off towards the Philippines, that's some level of success. If it leaves the satellite in orbit, that would be ideal for the North Koreans. Now, as you uh, alluded to earlier, this is all about the propaganda for the North Koreans. Uh, Sunday, uh, the 15th uh, of April, marks the centenary of the birth of Kim Il-sung, the founding leader of North Korea. Why is that date so important to the North Koreans, and why is so much being made of this centenary? Yeah, it's a bad day for the world. It's the same day that the Titanic sank, is the, uh, the centenary of the birth of um, Kim Il-sung. It's a whole nation based not so much on an ideology of communism. They have dropped the word communism from their constitution. It's based on concepts that are sort of unique to themselves, and it's based around one family. It's very hard to imagine the whole state surviving without that family. As the atavism goes in the propaganda at the moment, it's very interesting that the new leader, Kim Jong-un, is almost being seen as a throwback in the way he dresses, in the way that his hair is being styled, in the way that he's been seen to be doing things. Um, he's being seen as a throwback to the great strongman, um, Kim Il-sung, not his sort of rather runtish father. Um, so he is, uh, and he, even in a rather extraordinary um, propaganda film that was made after the death of Kim Jong-il, he was made out to be a sort of rather imperious leader, and his father would seem to be a sort of rather slack figure smoking a cigarette in the background. The, there's this real attempt at the moment to put Kim Jong-un right back into the boots of Kim Il-sung. You know, it's back where we started. Um, and uh, if this rocket launch goes well, that will also have a very sort of strong propaganda value for them. Let's go to you, Jeff. How is all of this being read in Washington? Well, for all sorts of reasons, Washington is very rattled by this test. Um, as, as Christian mentioned, if it's successful, then they'll be starting to get to the sort of range where it's conceivable that they could reach Alaska and then potentially the mainland U.S. at some stage in the near future. So that's certainly concentrating the minds here. There's also this feeling that they've slightly been made to look something of a fool. Um, they announced a deal with the North Koreans over food aid in terms of in, in exchange for inspections in late February, and the deal lasted a whole... 10 days, two weeks. Uh, there's a famous phrase from former Defense Secretary Robert Gates that you, know, you shouldn't buy a dead horse twice, a connection with North Korea. The feeling is that they've, they've gone and bought a dead horse for the third time and they've made to look somewhat foolish. And then you also have to remember that this is happening precisely at the time when the U.S. and uh, the other uh, uh, P5 nations are sitting down to talk with Iran about its nuclear program. 
Um, and there's a lot of pressure in this country saying that you can't really negotiate with Iran. The Obama administration is trying to make the case that there is time for diplomacy, that diplomacy could work. So this deal going wrong in North Korea, it poisons the atmosphere around the whole Iran debate as well, makes that much more complicated too. So there's all sorts of reasons why they're very, very concerned about this. This is also a big political year, both in uh, South Korea and in the U.S. Uh, as you mentioned, President Obama is being accused of having bought the uh, uh, dead horse three times. Uh, how have the Republicans been playing this, Jeff? Well, so far, North Korea hasn't featured too heavily in uh, the political debate. I mean, Iran's been a much more prominent issue. And it's partly because there isn't really a strong sense that there are alternative options. And this kind of policy of trying to negotiate and, and um, failing to come to an agreement with North Korea has been going on for 20 years. It's gone through various Republican and Democrat administrations. Uh, there's definitely no sense that there's a military option that anyone can use. But if this test is successful, and then if North Korea does then go on and do a nuclear test afterwards, which is something that a lot of people here think will happen, that you are going to start getting more people trying to explore other options. Um, as I mentioned, there's no there's no military option, but you do sometimes hear people saying, well, what we should be doing is trying to foment dissent in the country, trying to encourage opposition, trying to see if actually we can uh, in some way overthrow the regime. And the interesting thing, if you watch it, that somehow entered into the electoral debate, and that would become a much more uh, complicated and, and dynamic situation. Now, Christian, as Jeff uh, mentioned there, there is some concern that the North Koreans are preparing not only for a, a, a rocket launch, but also for a third nuclear test. Uh, what do we know about on that front? We know very little. I mean, the, the main evidence that we have is really what we've just seen on TV leaked through um, the South Korean spy agency, which is just a third tunnel um, being opened up in a place just very near the Chinese border where... Uh, nuclear tests were conducted before in 2006 and 2009. All we really know is that piles of earth um, that weren't there recently have suddenly appeared, um, which would be seen to prepare the underground um, tunnels for a test. The, uh, the North Koreans know they're being watched by satellites, so they're clearly sending that message. It's not as if um, something has been you know, sort of caught by accident there. Um, the question is, do the North Koreans really want to expend the small amount of fissile material that they do have, or, um, or are they bluffing? Um, the the uh, Siegfried Hecker, who's the, the prominent U.S. scientist who has the most sort of direct knowledge of the uh, U.S. of the North Korean nuclear facilities, thinks they need one more test to be able to weaponize. They might, however. We just don't know how much they've managed to do with the uranium enrichment. There's a really small but a rather worrying chance that they could be able to detonate something with uranium, um, the provenance of which we wouldn't really know either. Um, so we've got to, you've got to watch this one very, very closely to see whether it's a plutonium test, a uranium test, um, and you know, to see whether it's, whether it's successful again. But you know, with, that, with that proviso, they are running short on the material we think they have. Jeff, what are the Americans saying on the likelihood of a, of a third nuclear test? Well, they have no um, direct information other than uh, other than the, I mean, what Christians just mentioned about you know, these images and this and this site you near know, the Chinese border. But there are, uh, there are two different schools of thought really within the administration. There's one school of thought that thinks that the North Koreans are just trying to push their luck with this with this uh, satellite launch, and that after one, if that's successful, they'll then try and go back to the February deal and trying to re-engage with the U.S. and hope that they can get the food aid 
back on track. And there are some people in the administration who think that that might even be a viable option because at the very least that would allow international inspectors to go back into North Korea and would gain some sort of access to the uranium facility uh, Christian was talking about that no one's really knows much about. However, I think the majority view, or there's also a very strong view, people think that they are going to do another nuclear test, so this is really their plan all along. Um, and if that happens, then uh, it really is going to get a lot more complicated. Um, the U.S. is going to be in a very difficult position, um, and you are going to get this, you know, this very strong debate here about whether they have to start looking for other options, if there's anything else you can do other than just sitting down and trying to talk and fail to negotiate with the North Koreans. It also, of course, puts China in an incredibly difficult position, too. Um, China has uh, seen a lot of its relations with the rest of Asia damaged by its close ties with North Korea, uh, the, its relations with Japan, its relations with South Korea. And with this missile launch, now the Philippines, because the, the past takes it quite close to the Philippines and quite close to bits of Indonesia, those governments are also up in arms. Um, and it, and the, the risk for China is that North Korean activity is pushing these countries further and further towards the U.S. Christian, if we'd been having this conversation six, seven, eight years ago, we would probably be talking about uh, the likelihood or possibility of unification uh, on the Korean Peninsula. Uh, Lee Myung-bak, the current president, of course, has taken a much harder line than some of his predecessors on the, the North Koreans, but he's also facing an election at the end of this year. Uh, how is this all affecting the domestic political debate there? Very little. I mean, I, the, the, the main issues are issues of welfare, about the role of conglomerates within the economy. North Korea is very low down the list of priorities in the election. It can become an issue if there is another security problem. The, th the thing is, within South Korea, things like a missile launch or a, um, a, a warhead test really don't make people bat their eyelids. A direct attack uh, like we had two of them against South Korea in 2010, really do change the debate. Um, however, in South Korea, it's very difficult, and a lot of it depends on the personalities about which way it will go. Traditionally, the conservatives were always seen as very strong on security, and people would flock to the conservatives if there were some fears that North Korea was becoming more aggressive. Um, what happened interestingly um, after... In 2010, South Korea lost a warship and had its island bombarded, was that people went more to the left through fear, firstly, that um, the conservatives had pushed North Korea too hard, and that also they were cracking down on elements within South Korea that they saw as questioning the official version of events, such as the warship sinking, which sort of brought a flashback of the older days of military dictatorship in South Korea. So... It really depends on how the personalities um, handle any security flaps in North Korea. But the things that the, the level of um, problems we have at the moment with a missile and a warhead test really don't make people sit up in, uh, in South Korea. Christian in Seoul, Jeff in Washington, thank you very much. You both are going to be plenty busy over the coming days as we track all the events on the Korean Peninsula. Thank you. And that's it for this week's podcast. We'll be back next week with more from the FT's network of foreign correspondents. Until then, goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corian provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's Corient.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.